the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast with John Taylor and Shan Carr. Well, hello there. Here we are again, locked down in our various locations with the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast. You'll see in the upper left-hand corner of your screen, the lady in black showing a little shoulder is the fabulous comedian Shan Carr. And to my right is the uh, fabulous uh, publisher who has been publishing the uh, Coachella Valley Independent and keeping us uh, connected to what is going on in our community in such a great way with uh, his newsletter and his website. It's Jimmy Bogle. Hey, everybody. <laughs> okay. Jazz hands. We move to the lower left, and we've got our very own Gay Desert Guide, Brad Fur. This is like the Brady Bunch. It pretty much <laughs> is. Ann B. Davis could not be in the, in the center square. Uh, <laughs> so we have Daniel Valancourt, who is going to be telling us a story of a quarantine and cruising and adventure on the high seas and Gladys home. That's going to be coming up in just a few. And of course, in the uh, lower right, not uh, to be, well, you should be the center square. You should be the Paul Lind of these uh, squares. Yes, to block. Here she is, uh, Dr. Laura Rush, who is on the front lines. And uh, thank you again, Dr. Laura. You bet. Good morning. Good Good morning. Good morning, stars. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hello, Dr. Laura. And we always always start with Laura because she's got to get on to do that that vital work that she does. Getting in to make more phone calls and... Yeah, as my dad says, you know, just go, go help do God's work. He tells me, I'm like, oh, nothing like a, that kind of a guilt trip at six in the morning. <laughs> so, how are we doing? That's that. That's what we really need to know. How are we doing with our lockdown, and how is uh, Riverside County and Coachella Valley? And- you know, the um, the lockdown seems to be helping California more than it helped on the East Coast. We we have flattened our curve a little bit. You know, we have a ways to go. We still have, you know, several weeks before we see a peak here in in California. I think they're expecting the peak around the 22nd. And when I say the peak, that that means uh, the the highest number of deaths per day. That's what they're talking about from from COVID. Um, but people are still, you know, infected. We're still finding out who is infected. The numbers going up because we're testing more. So testing has been a little bit more available. Um, we've gone from having a lot of uh, sputum samples to nasopharyngeal swabs. So instead of coughing up phlegm and having to test that, now we've gone to swabbing the nose, which gives us a much faster result. And uh, Abbott Laboratories has come out with a test that gives us a result back within uh, three to five minutes. Wow. So hopefully we should be getting our hot little hands on that within the next couple of days. That should be readily available across the country. So um, I'm hoping we'll, we'll see some out here in the desert that's going to get us um, more testing we should have more testing available to get more results to see who exactly is, is positive, uh, who's negative, who is still at risk. So that's, we're keeping our fingers crossed. We get one out here. Um, but that curve is getting a little, a little bit flatter. It's, it's working. I, I did my own little cast yesterday and I was speaking with some of my colleagues and we're saying, you know, for once we think that Los Angeles and Riverside County, the, not having a mass transit system is probably what's helping us because not everybody is jam-packed into, you know, subways and on trains. So everyone's sort of isolated in their own cars for their commute. So that's, that's probably given us a little bit of an edge over what you would see in New York City where people have to rely on mass transit to get to and from work to, to the stores to, you know, to living their lives. 
So we also had a little bit of a heads up. So we, you know, we were able to kind of go on lockdown a lot sooner. I never thought about the the mass transit thing. Well, I never thought that would be a benefit, but I guess it is. It makes That's probably the only benefit. <laughs> General Motors one. was right. They were right to tear out all those tracks back in the 40s. <laughs> And it's probably the only time it's going to serve us some good is that, you know, we're not on top of each other and, and, you know, touching the same handrails as everybody else. You have generously offered to answer people's questions and you've been doing it publicly and privately. What is the question that people ask the most about that is due to their own disinformation, maybe a hoax or one of those Internet memes or, or things that they've scrolled past and taken to heart? Sure. What is the one that's the, the biggest piece of hoax that you're that you're getting? Right now, everyone's asking me about about the medications. There was uh, some video that went out by uh, an OB-GYN doctor that said, you know, he held up a sign, say, here's the medications. I want you to go and everyone should go and ask their physician for this medication, which he'll probably be hated by everybody in the medical community by the time this is done. So he's, he's touting that everyone should go and ask their physicians for Plaquenil and a Z-Pak. Um, those medications, those are the ones that Trump was was really pushing were used in a very small study in France, so it only had about 20 people in it. And the results were a little questionable because another study showed that they had absolutely no benefit. So the France study showed that it was removing the virus from the patients, but another study showed that it had absolutely no impact. Um, that being said, the FDA has pushed it through for uh, very rapidly for emergency treatment. And patients that are hospitalized. So there are two clinical studies going on for it right now, one at NYU and the other one at University of Washington that are really looking to see if it's going to be effective. They're not really sure because these are antibiotics, um, the kind of antiviral activity that it has. Uh, that being said, it's they are not without their own risks. I, I had mentioned that before that these medications combined can cause cardiac problems which is changing the electrical conductivity of your heart to could cause sudden cardiac death. So it is not for everybody. Um, but the studies will show, you know, if it's going to be effective. But the unfortunate part is that those studies are not going to be available uh, for a couple months. So can you talk uh, to us a little bit about them making medications available for small test groups faster than they ever have before? They, um, they, yeah, they are making that medication available so that people can be using it for in the studies. Um, some other that places, some others? some others. I'm sorry, some other medications too. There are the only two that I'm aware of that they're doing the clinical study on right now that everyone's talking about is the the ones that uh, the Plaquenil and the azithromycin. There's a couple of other you know antivirals that are out there too that they're looking at, but the big one that people seem to be talking about because it's making the rounds on that video are the two antibiotics that we're seeing. Um, some places were saying there's a short on Plaquenil. Uh, there's a shortage of it. And people do use that for, for lupus and rheumatoid arthritis and other rheumatological disorders. And those patients are having a hard time getting that medication right now. So people are hoarding it. I heard something about the, new, the newer version of PrEP also being a possibility. Yeah, they are going to be looking at that as well with the, with the antiviral activity that that has too. With the, um, they were looking at, oh God, it's gonna, I'm gonna space on the name right now because I haven't had any coffee. Okay. He'll come back to me later. <laughs> Ask but yeah, so they're looking at a couple. The FDA first. is acting faster than it ever has to kind of push some of these things into a trial or in for test use right now.
but we've never been in this situation before. Right. Dr. Laura, I'd like to ask you about masks. The county came out earlier this week and recommended that if you're going to go out in public, you wear a mask, not one of the medical grade ones. They need to go to the doctors, but either a bandana or something like that. I've actually seen some pushback online from people that think they know better than the county health officer on that. Talk yeah. to us a little bit about masks and why they're important and how to use them properly and all of that. Sure. So, yeah, that is the current recommendation. They're recommending that for Riverside County. You're going to start seeing that, I think, in L.A. County as well. Um, it'll probably be a nationwide issue. The, um, they don't have to be medical-grade masks. What they're trying to do is keep you from getting other people sick. So if you're coughing, sneezing, you, you're spewing out viral particles. So trying to keep a mask on will prevent you from kind of sending forth viral particles in, in a spray. It's not going to prevent you so much as a, a medical grade mask, like a surgical mask or an N95 mask. The general public does not need an N95 mask. I'm not even using an N95 mask. I'm using essential one that's going, to, uh, essential surgical mask when I'm seeing patients who are, are sick that are coming into my office. Um, because we're looking at droplets, that's the kind of mask that we really need. We don't. N95 is really going to be for people who are using um, e equipment, respirators, ventilators. You're going to start seeing things that have been aerosolized in the immediate environment. So those people need to be protected. So the general public does not need an N95 mask. You're, you're not coming in contact at that level with a patient. So like I said, I'm not even using it. But wearing a bandana, um, the homemade masks, they'll certainly help prevent you from, if you're sick, spreading it to somebody else. And that's important because you may not know you're sick because there's exactly. more and more evidence coming out um, that I read that a lot of people are asymptomatic and you may have something and may not know it. I think I read up to 80% of people that, you know, will, will get COVID, will, don't even have symptoms. So they may, you know, cough or sneeze and spread the virus and even realize that they're sick. And before you know it, you're, you know, your partner's sick or, he He's yeah, or grandma's sick or grandpa's sick or your aging parents are sick, you know. So it, it's just for now, let this thing kind of have to run its course. And it's, it's not going to be forever, but it's not going to be forever. Be, but it might be longer than we thought. It's definitely going to be longer than we thought at the get-go. It's going to be a little uncomfortable here in Coachella Valley wearing a mask when it's 100 degrees. Oh, That's yeah. for sure. But Do they have one that has ice packs in it? <laughs> Maybe that's a thing. You could invent Sounds that. like you're onto something. A, a nice cooling gel pack. There you go. How about if you soaked them in vodka before you put them on? Would that, Ooh, that would be the doctor Laura recommend on that? That's right. Who has it's vodka left? Antiviral property. <laughs> I'm a journalist, Shan. Trust me, I have plenty of vodka and bourbon as well. I should have taken vodka from you instead of toilet paper. At least I know you'd have good vodka. I'm sorry, you can't have it. It's lavender scented, so it may it may offend your orifices or something. All right. Actually, we're going to be joined in a little while by one of the uh, Palm Springs mask makers who has uh, been working at the sewing machines hours on end and has made thousands of masks. And uh, wow. so we'll be joined by Clay Sales in a little while and talk about his masked adventures. You know, also, uh, John, and for everyone, uh, you know, masks are important, but now we're finding that gowns are just important. Actually, the mask project has turned into uh, doing gowns. I think the estimate is they need 40, I think Eisenhower needs 40 or 50,000 gowns. And so they're making these single-use gowns. And this is the Lucy Arnaz project, 
with John okay. Monahan at the 500 building that started out as masks. They're pivoting a little bit and starting to make uh, these, these gowns. One of my neighbors next door, she's sewing them. She's, they're bringing fabric to her. Um, so, I, you know, it's interesting that we thought the masks would be the need, and now all of a sudden it's gowns. Dr. Laura? I haven't heard too much of the need for, for gowns, but like where I am, we're doing okay in terms of our equipment. So our, our staff has plenty of PPE, but, you know, it just kind of reminds me of the days back in the 70s with my grandmother wearing her house coat every day. I guess we're, we're going back to that. So everyone's going to be wearing their house coat. No, actually, these are for the doctors and for the, for the medical staff, supposedly. <laughs> yeah, they, so some hospitals are probably short. Like I said, you know, we're, we're doing okay. Um, I was actually reading an article last night talking about the the national, like the stash that we have that was started by Bill Clinton in the early 2000s, uh, wow. that that's running low on equipment. So everyone was talking about, hey, we're getting equipment from them in terms of they have masks, they have ventilators, they have respirators, um, they have medications, and apparently their stash is running low now as well. So should we so, need some other hospital space? Are they Are they setting up something at the fairgrounds right now? They were, yeah, they're setting up something in uh, in Indio at the fairgrounds, just just in case. I don't, I don't think they're needing it yet. Um, I haven't checked this morning. The the data comes out twice a day from Riverside County uh, Department of Public Health in terms of how many patients, and they are now breaking it down, Jimmy, um, by city. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, thank you. Know, you. We're, we're finally kind of getting that data that's parsed out a little bit, you know, more granular data on on who who's sick where. Um, Last I checked last night, we were close to 400 in Riverside County, and Palm Springs was around 30 patients. Uh, I think the total number of deaths in Riverside County was between 10 and 15. So I guess I haven't looked since yesterday. So, but it'll it'll change by about eight nine o'clock this morning. We'll get some updated numbers. And I have to give Riverside County props for actually giving that information. I'm part of some journalism groups, and some of my fellow. Uh, website publishers, newspaper publishers around the country are freaking out because they can't get this information. The The governments are being very stingy and very weird with it. And I just, you know, as someone who values public information, that just deeply offends me. So I have to give uh, the, the county credit for, for their good information. I really do. They're great. I, and I agree with you. I mean, as, as a former journalist, I know the, the public has the right to know. So they have the right to that kind of information. Um, and it's not meant to scare people and it's not meant to, you know, to, to hide the information from people. But I think people need to know just how severe is it out here and, you know, what's happening in their neighborhood, what's happening in their city and state. And I, I think keeping that information away from people just gives a bad taste in people's mouths. You know, well, why, why aren't you letting me know? Yeah. Laura, I've got a quick question. You um, posted yeah. yesterday about Zantac um, being pulled from the market. Does yeah. that have anything to do with COVID? 19? No, no, not at all. That was, I was just stunned because there are so many people that take anti-inflammatory, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, antacids like that, like Zantac. Uh, people use Prilosec and, you know, data came out on Omeprazole and the PPIs last year talking about how it caused a decrease in bone density leading to possible osteoporosis. And so now Zantac, um, this, that particular medication, there's, there's a chemical inside it that found to be carcinogenic to people, uh, especially the people that are on it for long-term use. Okay. And are there any of them that are okay? So far, I haven't heard any problems, but this just came out. They, they just yank, started yanking it off the shelves yesterday. Okay. And, 
And ibuprofen too? Are those they still saying try to? Ibuprofen's okay. This was just Zantac. Okay. Just that particular medication. So not nothing to do with with COVID at all. I just I have a lot of patients that take that medication over the counter um, for acid reflux, for for GERD symptoms, heartburn. Um, because it's an over-the-counter medication, that's why I know a lot of people just pop those when, you know, they get an upset stomach. So it's throw them out. How are the people? ones, the other, the other versions of those that are like the fatelmol. Uh, there's another one that begins with F. Is that one? Famotidine. Yeah. It, the thing is, just the, that particular one. Okay. So, because there's a lot of different medications that are out there that that do the same thing, that work differently. But right now, it's just Zantac. Okay. Thanks. So the people that you have seen that may be positive or whatever, are you are are we hearing anything about how they contracted it? That no. Right now they haven't they haven't started looking into um looking how who people have contacted just yet. So we have a still a small enough number out here and I haven't spoken with my the patients that I have that are positive. I haven't spoken with them yet. They're the ones that I have that have been positive are, are doing okay. So there, nobody's hospitalized at this point. How so. is the staff doing? How are the support people doing? I mean, it's been weeks of lockdown and, and new protocols every single day and all sorts of information that has to be processed and just a whole lot of stress. How are our frontline medical professionals at every level doing? You know, they're rock stars. They really are. Um, they, they don't complain. They get out there every day. They do their job. Um, you know, every morning I, I go in and I bring them in a couple of big travelers of Starbucks to keep them motivated and, and croissants. So every, every day I'm, I'm pumping them full of caffeine and it's, you have to kind of be their, their cheering squad. They're out there, you know, they're donning their gear and they're being kind to the patients and they're doing the job. So they are, they are rock stars. They really are. They're Tenet. so brave. Um, actually, the Desert Sun said something this morning about tenant not going to pay into the 401ks for the non-union people at those hospitals to try and keep funds for things like what the heck yeah that's really like rubbing the salt in the wounds and that's not okay how could that how could that support the staff they need to do everything right now that's awful isn't that yeah. all three of our medical centers are kind of run by tenant out here I know uh, Desert Regional is, yeah. It is, yeah. yeah I mean, they, they, you know, things have taken a big hit. You know, everyone's 401k has taken a big hit. We're, we're, we are literally all in this together. So we, for we're all being hurt financially and, and physically and emotionally by this, the whole world, you know, the whole country. Um, I, I'm hoping that they know what they're doing over there. I, it's not going to instill goodwill. Or, or warm, fuzzy feelings with, with the people there. But I hope they have a good explanation for what they're doing. Now, there's been some talk about um, mandating that there be, there be hazard pay for first responders and people out on the, on the front lines. Um, what have you heard about that? And obviously, would you support a 25% raise <laughs> for everybody? I, I, I think they all need a bonus, absolutely. They, you know, the nurses, the MAs, the EMTs, you know, the people working in the ERs, absolutely. I mean, if anything, they, they, we need to be shouting from the rooftops like they do in the city and in Italy and applauding them every day. Um, yeah, I would support it 100%. Unfortunately, that's not up to me. I haven't heard anything about anybody getting any increase in pay. Um, but right now, you know, for most of us, you know, we do this because this is, this is our jobs, this is our calling, and, and we love it. 
And while we never probably dreamed that this was going to happen, we'd ever be in this position. Um, you know, people show up every day and they do their job. They show up ready and they do it. I, I'm, I couldn't be more proud than the people that I work with. They've been amazing. And they come into work with a smile on their face. No one's grumbling. You know, everyone's doing the best. They're supporting each other, giving each other breaks um, when they need to, bringing each other coffee. They're, they're awesome. Good. Dr. Laura, I have to ask, um, it appears, according to your Facebook page, that you made a trip to Woodburn, Oregon in the last few days to go and check in at the Wooden Shoe Tulip Farm. And I'm wondering how you had a chance to get away from Palm Springs uh, <laughs> to get to the Wooden Shoe Tulip Farm. I think someone is smoking something over at Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It said I checked in there. He's, he muted himself, but yes. Yeah, yes, it did say that. Uh, I'm going to have to get on my Facebook page and see what's going on. No. Recent <laughs> check-in. I haven't left the desert in, I can't tell you how long. I didn't think so. I just was checking. As a journalist, you know, we, we want to know <laughs> these things if you snuck away. It was kind of creepy, actually. <laughs> of all the places to go. <laughs> a tulip farm. <laughs> With wooden shoes. Season. I know. Oh, either, either I've been hacked or, or Facebook is playing games. So. You know, our, our temperatures are going to start going up. And, you know, uh, our president said that everything will go away when it gets warm. Will this have an effect? As I mean, we're going to be, we were in the 80s yesterday. We may be close to 90 by the end of the week, which is now. Uh, does that have an effect on transmission and the virus, or do we even know? Uh, with this virus, we don't really even know. Um, but typically, you know, we're looking at past cycles of flu, and that's kind of how they're modeling these things. So, we, you know, we see a seasonal uptick in flu cases. You know, it starts in the fall, and it runs through early spring, and then it sort of dies down again and, you know, moves to other parts of the world, and it sort of follows that sort of cyclical pattern. So we don't know what this one's going to do. We um, We've never seen it before. So it being a novel virus, we're hoping it kind of follows what other coronaviruses, which is, you know, caused the common cold, um, have done in the past. But we, we, don't, we won't know until we get through this whole year what it's going to do, what its behavior is going to be. Have we started so. to do any testing with people that have cleared the virus as to whether or not, like other viruses, they are then immune to this strain? And second part of that question if it comes back next year, is it inclined to be mutated in such a way that the people who had it before are no longer immune to it? I, Do we know? Both good questions. I, I don't know that any formal studies that they're looking for antibodies yet, but I, I know they want to. I haven't seen anything that's formal yet. Like, let's get some people who have cleared the virus and start looking at it. Um, but they do, some of the things that they talk about are injecting antibodies into people who are sick to kind of help fight the virus. Yeah. Um, so that would be one form of treatment that's not even close to being readily available yet. Um, the virus will mutate. They, they all do over time. That's what happens when you make uh, vaccines. You know, you, you're looking at prior vaccines or prior viruses in the past and and try and create a vaccine based on that, but things do mutate. So if you've had this, this particular flavor of, of coronavirus, um, there's no saying that you, you will be immune to it in six months. So we, we really don't know yet. Okay. We can only hope. Don't you feel like for us, what, uh, having had a heads up, 
having had a governor that was right on like stay the yes. hell at home right now. And then I think for us, for the US, it's gonna be the amazing technology, right? The new, you know, the people who are making the new sort of flexible helmets so you don't have to have a ventilator yeah. and talk, can you talk some about the new technology? It is, this is gonna be prompting us to look at treating disease in a different way and being more prepared. You know, if this happened now, there's no saying it's not gonna happen again and a different virus next year. So these things happen. Um, new technology, yeah, ramping up the medications and, and then maybe trying to get rid of some of the red tape that it takes to get drugs passed through, uh, clinical trials uh, and FDA approval. So they have to be safe. They, those things are in place for a reason, but it's, it's gonna change everything about the way we, we bring forth new technology, new medications. And I think more importantly, behavioral changes with people. Yeah. That's, that's gonna be huge. I think that's, we're going to see the biggest change right now is in how people take care of themselves and learn about infection control and not just, you know, the healthcare workers that are very, you know, t this is an everyday thing, washing my hands 20, 30 times a day, you know, yeah. wiping down my phone constantly. I put it on a desk, I wipe it again. So these are all behavioral changes that everyone's going to have to become familiar with and, and just make it a habit, like brushing your teeth. Are you feeling any of that fear? that you know maybe you have more education about it and you're handling it more rationally but there was a package delivered to me there was a handyman who i had to hand a check to there were a couple things yesterday where sure. just as much as i am in lockdown uh, my heart starts to pound as i reach out for that package from the postal lady and i want to kick it to my door you know or whatever are do yeah. you feel that as well when you're out in the world a little bit, but I'm, I'm so used to trying to be cautious about what I come in contact with on a, on a regular basis. So I usually, I'm pretty good about not, you know, about washing my hands, about trying to not touch my face, trying to, you know, wipe things down as they come into my house. I mean, I'll be honest, you know, up until a few weeks ago, I, I wasn't cleaning my groceries before I put them away. But now everything is, and everything is getting wiped down before it gets put in the refrigerator. So I, I don't live in the refrigerator, right? Yeah, can live in the refrigerator. They said, "Is that a lie? Is that true?" You know, I don't. I don't know what they've tested. I don't. But right now, we can live on certain materials. Some for hours. Some for days. Most refrigerators are not going to be that cold to kill a virus. Freezing, probably. And heat, yes. But you know, I don't know at what length. But what I've done in, in the back seat of my Jeep, I've got two of those little grabby poles. You know, with the, like like the long lobster things at the end. Yeah. And I bought them for my staff because, you know, they're handing things to and from the patients right now who are sick. So just for that reason, I'm like, here's an extra three feet, you know. I seriously looked for one of those and I, and I couldn't find it. I went um, out I, for one errand. I thought I was going to do two errands. And by the end of the first errand, I was freaked out and I went home. But <laughs> that was it. I was looking for the lobster. Yeah. No. I, I, you know, I bought them on Amazon and a couple of days ago and, you know, they came, so I'm like, the, the, what we do is we have a drive-through pharmacy at Kaiser now, so patients can drive up and the medications can be handed to them, but they're also being handed testing, you know, kits for sputum and stuff. So, you know, if the staff's a little bit nervous, I'm like, here's some of the poles to add and, and reach in so you're not reaching into a car if, if they're really nervous about coming in contact with it. I don't think we're going to go through life you know, with a three foot pole between us all. I think as this dies down, people will feel a bit more safe being in public and life as we know it will return. 
at some point, but we'll be, you know, smarter, wiser, and a little scarred. Speaking of scarred, I, I really hate to bring this up, but the Wall Street Journal just came out with an article this morning. You probably haven't seen it, so I, I'm asking you more for on your Facebook page or maybe next week to address this as more information comes out. Yeah. Uh, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that there's an increasing number of indications that up to one in three of the tests that people have gotten that have come back negative are actually wrong because these tests have been rushed out there and it's in wall street journal i i will um it'll be obviously in today's daily digest um no i haven't seen it i'll take a look this morning yeah, it's gonna I, I, what, a start. What, what anecdotally have you seen about the testing accuracy out here or can you even comment on that so i'm sorry to kind of ambush you with this but it's such an important story i wanted to at least bring it to your attention so you can address it later i you know i haven't heard of anything in terms of you know questioning the validity of the test so far so i'll be curious to read the article Right now, we, we are we are relying on them to let us know and, and what to tell patients. But even still, patients are, whether they test negative or positive, if they have symptoms, we're still saying, you know, you're self-quarantining. Yep. And until symptoms have, you know, it's at least seven days have passed, until at least, you know, you've been asymptomatic, no coughing, no fever for three days, on top of that seven days since you were, you know, first started feeling sick. So we're still keeping, you know, those protocols in place. Um, I will have to go and look and see what they're saying. I don't know if that if they're talking about nasopharyngeal swabs versus sputum cultures, or if it's a, a regional thing or a very specific test. Um, Apparently, it's, it's lab to lab. Some labs seem to be better than others. But like I said, I'll I'll, right. I'll share the article with everyone um, in the Daily Digest today, and I just sent it right. via our Zoom group chat. If anyone wants to look over it real quickly, probably not right now for you since you're in a car, but. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's that that uh, I will say that article uh, upset me a little bit. So, okay, yeah. anybody else? We should let her go have her job. Yeah, else got a fiery, and we want to get to Daniel. Yes, All we right. do. We're going to find out what it's like to um, to go through a diagnosis and uh, and, a, and a quarantine, and then get the all clear. All right, Dr. Laura Rush, we thank you for everything that you do. Of course, Thanks, you guys. We, we adore you, even if you didn't Love do you. that. Love Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Love you guys, so too. Be good. Be safe. Mwah. Stay safe, please. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. For our listeners, that was Dr. Laura Rush, who is the Desert Suns uh, Physician of the Year for the Coachella Valley and uh, is really good at explaining um, stuff to people and make them feel less afraid. Uh, we're joined in our lower right-hand corner, if you're looking, and uh, in your right-hand speaker, we've got Daniel Valencourt. Welcome. Where are you uh, right now, da Daniel? I'm at home in Palm Springs in and my uh, home office. Hi, Daniel. Tell us a little bit about who you are in the community, how we all know yeah. you. So uh, I'm a freelance journalist. I have lived here with my husband, David Lee, who's an event photographer in town for 12 years. We came from L.A. Um, I work for a variety of publications here in town. I contribute to the L.A. Times now and then. I'm also an award show writer, so I write uh, for 10 years. I've written the Palm Springs Film Awards Gala and the Steve Chase Humanitarian Awards for DAP and other stuff like that in town. Super. Uh, and like I say, my husband is David A. Lee, who is uh, a pretty well-known event photographer in town. I always describe him as our socialite photographer. Yes. Is the, he's recording our history, right? So yeah. the two of you were on a cruise. Tell us where you were and when you came back and some of that, please. Um, this was in early March. 
And it was still, um, you know, obviously we were aware of the coronavirus and when we boarded the cruise, they asked us those questions. They wanted to make sure we hadn't, you know, been exposed, et cetera, et cetera. But it wasn't really the heightened awareness that we have now, even though that was just a month ago. We, I think we boarded the cruise on the 5th of March uh, out of Miami. Uh, all really you could tell on the ship, uh, which was a normal size, you know, celebrity ship with 120 of us, the gay guys, and a couple of straight friends and, and women, and all the other cruise passengers, the only thing really that you could tell was a lot of, you know, hand sanitizer being offered, et cetera. Um, so it was a great cruise. David was obviously much closer to everyone being the photographer than I was. I'm an introvert. I'm a writer. So I spent a lot of time in our stateroom. Didn't really know these guys, although I did do things like drag bingo. And every night we would have a communal dinner where we just kind of round robin the table. So, you know, you just come into the dining room and, we had a section for us, and you'd sit with different people. We had cocktail hours, but again, David was much closer to them physically uh, than I was. Um, and, you know, a lot of fist bumping, and but also a lot of hugging, etc. cetera. Um, often I would accompany David, who would be shooting the guys having a hot tub. So, you know, you've got 30 guys piled into a hot tub together wearing almost nothing. And so social distancing. There was there was not a lot of distancing. There was some, but not a lot, because again, I don't think that we were quite at that point yet. I don't even think the term social distancing existed on March fifth. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Probably not. Probably not. But basically, we went from David and I spent a couple of days in Miami prior, um, and this was spring break. It was also during the uh, Miami winter party where, you know, so far two people who attended that event have died already, we know. Um, so then on the 5th, which was a Thursday, we boarded the cruise. It was a five-night cruise. We came back on a Monday night, came back to Palm Springs, uh, felt fine. A couple of days later, which is midweek, um, we started hearing on this Facebook uh, page that was for the cruise that one guy had tested positive, which kind of rocked the boat of this little Facebook group. Yeah. A couple of days later, people said, oh, me too, me too. Suddenly it was like three or four people had tested positive. So that was, you know, sobering. And that next weekend, so we came back on Monday night. The next weekend, the, the fears had gotten such that DAP started their uh, special coronavirus clinic using the dock for testing purposes. So I had heard about that. And on Monday, I think we're up to five people who had tested positive, one of whom, who was the officiant of the wedding, he was an older gentleman, 68 years old, he was now in the hospital. So David, who, you know, David and I had been suffering with lingering coughs from a cold since like Valentine's Day. And so David had felt a little run down, was fatigued, had some aches and pains. I, not so much, I just had this cough. And David said, I really think I want to be tested. So I, you know, being a man of action and, you know, I don't waste time, I called DAP on um, St. Patrick's Day, which was Tuesday. So this was about eight days after coming back from the cruise. And I spoke to a nurse there who mans the hotline and whose name is, ironically, David Lee, as my husband is named. And he just basically said, you know, well, we don't test everyone. So he, he kind of gave me an assessment. So he asked, you know, why I wanted to get tested. And I said, well, there are three things. My husband is 62 years old. 
I'm a diabetic. I've been diabetic for 30 years. And we were recently on a cruise where we were exposed to at least now five people who have been, you know, uh, tested and have tested positive for the virus. So he said, come on in. So David and I went immediately. It was 1130 in the morning. Uh, my nurse, David, came to get me, brought me back into a room. He also wearing the visor and everything. Um, put, immediately, they put masks on us. Um, and then they just asked us questions. And then he said, what we're going to do is we're going to test you for the flu to rule that out. And then we're going to test you for coronavirus. So the flu test is the same thing. It's a nasal swab. It's not painful, but it's certainly not comfortable. You know, it goes through your nose and it goes right to the back of your throat. It's kind of very odd. So the flu test is, you know, a few minutes. So that was negative, which gave them the clearance to do the uh, coronavirus test. So we did it, and we were instructed basically that the test results would be back in three to seven days, and that we should go home, we should self-quarantine, which we did. We have two dogs, we have a nice house, we have a nice backyard, and so we just, you know, hunkered down. At day three, we're wondering, you know, okay, where are the test results? Well, seven days came, and we still didn't have any test results, and David was getting antsy, especially because the uh, the count on the cruise was getting higher and higher. More people were getting tested. And by then, I think the count was up to at least 15 or 16 people who had tested positive. So David and I started to really feel like, let's just, let's just come to terms with the fact that we're probably going to be positive. So day seven came, nothing, nothing. On day eight, David said, I really want you to call... Um, DAP and ask where our test results are. So I did, spoke again to that nurse, David Lee, who's very kind. It ultimately took um, nine days for me. I got a negative result and um, didn't have results yet. I've been waiting for closure. Wait, no closure still? No, no closure. Let me take some water. It's been two weeks, more than two weeks. Yeah, now it's good. We got our results last week. Oh, okay. So, so, so 10 days for him, uh, he was negative as well. So here we are, we're both negative, Yeah. which good. Kind of, it, it is good. But I have to say one thing that some friends have understood and some don't really is that after all this, when you get a negative result, in our case, there was a bit of a letdown and it's because we figured if we had been positive, clearly after this was, you know, 10 days after the test, it was 17 days after our last exposure on the cruise. You're thinking, if I'm positive, I've weathered this illness relatively mildly. I'm okay. I'm not in the hospital. We're not on ventilators. And we perhaps have a little bit of immunity. So when you get a, a negative result, you're suddenly left with, uh, now it's it. We start all over, you know. You still get it again now. You're yeah. So, so for us, frankly, in in our gut, what it did was it brought back a level of anxiety that we didn't have because we thought we, we had started to think after ten days. Wow, we we we've weathered this. You know, we're positive. I'm sure that's what they're going to tell us. But look, we're still healthy. We still have a bit of a cough, but we feel fine. But indeed, that's not what happened. We're negative, and unless they were both false negatives, which could be, um, 
you know, it, the bottom line is it doesn't change much because we're still doing what we've done. We're still isolating. We have not had friends over. You know, we're just we're just really staying alone with our dogs. Are they asking you to do a follow up test? They're not. No, no, no one has said that to us now. Okay, good. Well, Daniel, thank you very much for sharing this uh, experience. And I, I, I thought we would get to closure, but I totally get it now. The way you explain it is like you're back to square one. Right, which is, which is, again, where everyone is and should be, right? I mean, we should all assume that we're positive, but behave like we're negative, I guess, is my feeling, you know? And I still don't know. I mean, if you ask me, really, what do you think? Do you think you, because I have a few doctor friends you know, who have said to me, well, you may have had it, and at the moment that they swabbed you, there was no virus there. Doesn't mean that you didn't have it and didn't get over it, because supposedly if you get over it, you know, they haven't tested for antibodies. They've only tested for the presence of the virus. So until we have an antibody test, which exists, we just haven't had it. They won't know if it's in our system, you know? Yeah. So it's all a big mystery, but it's been a fascinating, um, fascinating experience. Desert AIDS, uh, you know, all my props and all my kudos because yeah. not only for instituting this clinic, but for being there for testing us. And I realized that um, we're very lucky to be tested. We are so grateful to DAP, and I, I don't know about you, but the second I saw that they had opened that clinic, I, I don't want to be all like gay, gay is, I don't know, I was grateful to have our own people there, and I don't know why that comfort is what oh. it is, but it's like hearing Dr. Rush and some of the women on the page, they're like, we are so relieved just to hear it from you, and right. we count on DAP, I mean, even those of us who are not you know, positive or in any way related to what their mission has been, we have benefited from it. We have raised funds for it. We've, those are our friends and our people, and it made a big difference to me to know that if I needed to go somewhere, I had that. Yeah, and I mean, some people would certainly say of me that I, after 10 years of working closely, not only with DAP, working on the Steve Chase Awards, but working with David Brinkman, that, you know, yes, I've, I've had a large drink of the DAP Kool-Aid, but still, they're there. They're very proactive. I mean, when I also, long before I thought that we would actually access it, when I found out that weekend prior to that Tuesday of being tested that they had opened this clinic, I thought, how amazing that they're there. I mean, DAP has long wanted to just be, you know, as we move beyond HIV and AIDS being such a, a death sentence, they want to be there for the whole community, for all of us living with or without HIV, for the entire community. And this is a big proof of what they've done that that's exactly what they're doing and once we got there i mean it was a bare bones operation you know it was like just two nurses one doctor one receptionist everyone in ppe and let's go and very professional very kind and very informed and you know couldn't i mean you you call there and within minutes you're talking to a nurse on a hotline it's great you know you are you're a very patient person daniel because if they told me that the result would be back in three to seven days i would call on day three <laughs> day four day five <laughs> day six and you waited till day seven i and mean you don't know me you, i am i am ask my husband i am one of the least patient people there is but you have to give them the time I and mean, you know the thing too that nurse david lee told me when i called him on that eighth day I said, so you're telling me that people who were tested three days ago are going to get the results today or tomorrow? And he goes, yeah, that's just because 
later tests had more labs. The labs were, you know, not as, as um, jammed up. So the results were coming in quicker. But even today, I read in the LA Times that uh, tests are taking 10, 11 days now, you know, because there's such a glut. And Daniel, thank you for sharing that story. I thought it was really interesting, the part about how you're almost hoping you had it because it means you've endured it. I went through a similar thing. My mom, um, about the same time you were coming off the cruise ship, um, her sister passed away. And so she went, even though she knew she shouldn't, she went to a big funeral with a lot of hugging and kissing and everything. And two days later, developed a really bad cold with a cough. Mm-hmm. and I'm, she's in Reno, Nevada. She's 75 for the heart condition, and I'm down here. You know, some of you guys, I talked to you about this. I was freaking out. Well, she's gotten through it. She's got a little bit of pain because she probably um, actually cracked a rib or something coughing, mm-hmm. but she's through it, and she hasn't been tested yet because justifiably so. They didn't want a 75-year-old woman going in and getting tested and possibly being exposed if she hadn't been, but I'm hoping that when that antibody test comes out, that, that she can get that test and that, and that she had it and she got through it. So I can relate to that. Even though it wasn't me, it was my mom. I can totally relate to that feeling. Um, I just thought a couple of footnotes I want to add about this whole cruise experience. Um, since then, uh, the two rooms have tested positive. So that's interesting. There were two straight women who, um, but everyone's fine. Other than the gentleman who was, uh, who's 68, who I think is still in the hospital, uh, there's one more man who is a pilot. He's retired. He actually lives in Palm Springs. I don't know his name. Uh, I think he was 72 years old. He's died. He was on the cruise with us, and he died a few days ago. He's the only one of the cruise of the 120 of us that we know who has died. But now there are 25 people who have tested positive. Um, the negatives don't really advertise it so much, so we don't know. 25 out of your 125 or 25 on the ship? No, no, no. This is 25 of just our 120. And who knows? I mean, David was closer than close. I mean, you're touching them and positioning them and, you know, kissing them and hugging them. And he's negative, or so we think. Where is this article going to show up? We're we're probably going to see an article uh, uh, on this uh, journey. I don't know. So we'll be uh, both be vying for it for for our own for our own publications. We'll outbid each other for paying oh. annual for the story for the exclusive rights to the story. Okay, yeah, TV movie. Well, it's already been, <laughs> Thank you. You know, we've we've already got most of the ending here already, exactly. so it's a little anticlimactic. Yeah. Daniel, I think it's really interesting um, when you extrapolate this out. You can see how cruise ships then become these you know cesspools, basically of. Uh, of of the disease. I was on a cruise uh, in Australia and New Zealand um, just prior to your cruise. I got back on March the 1st. After that cruise, we don't know of hardly anyone who has come out positive from, from that experience. So we're guessing that because that cruise started February 17th, uh, it predated most of what was going on. But it was a whole really, different think, world. What's that? It was a whole different world, Mark, you know, in February. Yeah, yeah, here we are a month, a little over a month later from when we got back. And, and your experience just a couple weeks later, and, and again, that, that curve where it just goes up so steeply uh, just shows us how this pandemic has, um, has taken over the world. This has been an amazing uh, journey for you, and we thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Be safe out there. Stay home. Thank you yeah. so much, Daniel Valancourt. We're going to keep our eyes on you. We love you. We love you. We love you and your husband. Thank you.
Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Daniel Valancourt. Thanks for being on the Gay Palm Springs podcast. And we are, of course, indebted to you, uh, Jimmy Bogle, for what you've been doing with Coachella Valley Independent. What's in the latest update that you've been uh, putting forth? Thank you very much. Um, basically, in last night's uh, update, I talked about um, how March has to have been the longest month in the history of the, of the world, it seems like. Um, Brad, you mentioned you got off the cruise on March 1st. It's unbelievable to think that Super Tuesday and March 1st was actually the day that Pete Buttigieg dropped out of the presidential race. Wow. That was the same month that just ended two days ago. So um, I talked about that and, of course, had all sorts of links. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you what's going to be in tonight's Daily Digest because things are changing so darn fast, mm -hmm. including that Wall Street Journal article I mentioned. Um, so, uh, but we're doing it six days a week. Um, and people can go to cvindependent.com and read it or sign up for it there. Well, Jimmy, I, I hope you will also include the fact that um, I have uh, decided to take the hanky code and see um, if, if wearing the hankies around your face means anything specifically based on the hanky code. So we should expect you to have an orange mask soon. Is that what you're saying, Brad? <laughs> Hold it. I have to go down the chart. Which orange are you talking about? Coral, rust, apricot, orange, or gold lame? That's ridiculous. That's it's orange. It means anything oh, goes. So. <laughs> ridiculous. There's a houndstooth hanky now. Come on. <laughs> houndstooth. Let me look that one up. It's true. I'm sure it is. I've already forgotten. Thank you, Jimmy. Thanks, everyone. Have a lovely day. We All right. Jimmy. From the Coachella Valley Independence, that's Jimmy uh, Bogle, and you can sign up at cvindependent.com and get on his newsletter. It's, uh, it's good reading. It is. It is. And at uh, gaydesertguide.com, you'll also, uh, you pre reprint a lot of the stuff that... Uh, well, we take, yeah, we, every day what happens is we put the new uh, link in there. So there's one article that says CV Independent Daily Digest, and it's always the most recent one that shows up at the top of our feed. Um, and you can obviously get to the older ones on Jimmy's site, so... So tell us a little bit about what you're aggregating as far as there's uh, free workout sessions online. I think there's even this lesbian who's doing a, a calming yoga sessions online that you've featured. Yeah, yeah. There, you know, the, right. The CVB uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau uh, put that together, um, and they've been aggregating all the various um, health, uh, yoga, fitness things. And so we've got that link on our site as well. We're trying to be an aggregator. Um, and, and also stay true to what's happening with events. And one of the things that I've done over the last couple of days, um, we've gotten our team together. We've looked at every event that got postponed or canceled, uh, postponed or rescheduled for a future date. And we are just in the process of uploading that to our digital map and guide online. But we're also publishing a PDF that people can download so that you'll have all the dates that are typically on the back of our map and guide, which I thought I had one here, but I don't. Um, and, uh, and then you will be able to download that, kind of put it on your refrigerator and know all the new dates uh, that have uh, changed since um, all this happened. Yeah. And yeah, I have everything changed. I have my map and calendar here. You can see all of the <laughs> dates I've crossed off of all of the events. So, 
So that is being updated. And we, we're actually going through the film festival in January of next year and making sure that everybody has everything uh, that's happening. Thanks. I will let you know, if I may, about a couple of events that will be in our newsletter that is going out uh, by the time this um, by the time this happens, the newsletter is going out, um, and you will be able to find it. But we have um, uh, the Work the World live stream global benefit for drag performers. Um, there is um, virtual gatherings from the LGBT Center. So we're listing all those events as well. Um, there, um, just trying to think, the virtual happy hours with Among Friends. And uh, Kiki's doing uh, Kiki with Kiki, which is kind of fun. Um, so we've got all those things on our website. I do want to draw your attention. Um, I, was, I, I don't normally view Channel 17 on our cable system, which is the uh, public access channel. But I did watch last week's public uh, city council meeting, and it was fascinating. We are in for um, some really uh, dire times ahead. The city's losing a lot of revenue. That's going to have some huge impacts on our, um, on our on the city's ability to provide services and fund things like pride. So I there's the the city council's meeting again uh, tomorrow. No, tonight actually at six p.m. And uh, it, it, it's worth just kind of seeing what's going on and figuring out what's happening in the city. Um, also in our newsletter this week, let me just go down the, the list. Um, Rhonda Hart is part of World Pride, and there's a Global Pride 2020 that has been uh, announced for June 27th, Saturday, June 27th. And so that's coming up. Um, and then we've got all kinds of other events and ways that you can help the community through Eisenhower, through shopping locally, through building the masks and building uh, and, and creating the gowns that they need. Uh, and then things that are open like the certified farmers markets that are providing vital food uh, for people um, that would want to eat healthy. Um, there's an article about the Palm Springs Art Museum at home that's happening, artwork of the week. And then we also talk about um, the coronavirus hotline that the city has. All that in our newsletter, which again uh, is available on gaydesertguide.com and on our website as well. All right. Well, we've been joined on our video by a large muscular man who you may remember from uh, those muscle-bound cowboys of Snake Pit Gulch. <laughs> and I, um, I actually have a theme song for our, our guest, uh, Clay Sales. So here it is. Mask maker, mask maker, make me a mask. Fight COVID-19, please do it fast. Clay Sales, how many masks have you been making at your Super Singer sewing machine? Oh, goodness. I have the faintest idea. Honestly, I've just been running a big gay sweatshop for about, I don't know, a week and a half now. It's it's got to be in the uh, the hundreds of masks, maybe thousands. I, I think I broke two hundred yesterday. Good. I think. Yay! Yeah. Can I have one? I need that's one. Kind of, that's kind of my my target. Well, uh, it, so and who's getting these uh, these masks that you're making? Um, you know, there there are groups all over the valley that are coordinating um, the, the army of sewers that are working. 
Um, I haven't connected with all of that yet because I have enough friends in the healthcare industry that they've been reaching out to me individually. Right. So I had a I had a batch go to an ER. I've had a bat I've had several batches go to Eisenhower. I've had a batch go to a nursing home that was down to Bandanas. Um, the next two days are going to that that place. Um, said some to um, LGBT nonprofits that still have to operate but need to keep their staff safe. Um, and then starting this weekend, I'll start making them for friends. All right. Well, so that's I, cool. I'm, tip, I'm typically booked out two or three days in advance, just based on the people that I know that are in healthcare. And I know that um, that you have a friend who's also doing these. Uh, David is doing those. David, yeah, who's a, who's a nurse? David Garcia, and I also know Mario Guillen has done 950, and he's got yeah. another 1100 to go. So yeah, there's there there are people all over the valley. Uh, honestly, there's a lot of out of work theater people that are sewing. Drag queens are sewing. Uh, what are you What are you using for fabric? <laughs> um, honestly, I'm a quilter, which means I have more fabric than God. <laughs> I could slip cover a house right now. <laughs> so I'm going through I mean, some of the fabric is stuff that I bought 15 years ago. That's so fabulous. I'm just plowing through my stash like any quilter would. Honestly, there's a lot of quilters across the country that are doing this as well because we all have tons of cotton fabric. I gave you that mid-century stuff. Go ahead. Remember that mid-century modern fabric that I wasn't using? Did you ever do any of uh -huh. those mod ones? No, I actually sent that to my friend up in Seattle who has a mid-century condo full of mid-century antiques. Oh, well, <laughs> I want a Batman mask. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, I think you saw my Facebook feed yesterday. I started wearing one of my masks for the first time yesterday. And I swear, I, I took one look. My, the mask was a purple batik or something. And I swear, I took one look in the mirror. I'm like, I look like a big gay terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> well, fingernail polish. Yeah, show off your mm -hmm. fingernail polish for the viewers of our podcast. Yeah, we got it. Definitely got a big gay terrorist. Uh, that would be, what is that, a silver that you've got on today? It's a purple glitter. Ah, uh, purple glitter. Matches the mask. Can you show us your sewing station? Would you mind? I see 10,000 rolls of uh, um, thread. Can you show us the sewing station? Sure. So let me get that out of the way. So there's my thread wall. There's a thread wall for the listeners who wow. can't see it. And there's a, right there. wow, you have a touchscreen sewing machine. I've never oh, seen Oh, yeah. That. I'm a geek. My, my sewing machine boots to Windows. Wow. Okay, so what I was assuming as a gay man, you would buy a brother. What is it? <laughs> it's a Bernina. A Bernina. Oh well, of course. Ooh. Brother is kind of for the uh, low end. So, there's the stuff for today's batch, all cut out, ready to go. And then an iron, and there's my cutting table. And look at that. Uh, you know, you you are going to regret showing all of this to Shan Carr. Yes, you are. <laughs> because someday she's going to say, hey, can you whip me up a mermaid outfit? And I've, already that, I've already I'll tried. Give, I will work. give you the address, too, Shan. Hold on. Alexa, cancel. What, what did Alexa get right. going? <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm baking cookies. Oh, my God. Now, for anybody that doesn't see Clay Sales on video is listening to the audio podcast, but we're, we're, we're looking at a, uh, a tank-topped 260-ish pound bodybuilder dude who looks like Mr. Clean, pretty much. 
and he's baking cookies and at his sewing station. And you... With purple nail polish. With purple nail polish. And you, Clay Sales, are exactly why we love Gay Palm Springs. You know, I had a thing for Mr. Clean when I was a child. Of course you did. (laughs) Every time the TV commercial came on, my parents told me that I would run out of my bedroom and look around the corner and watch the Mr. Clean TV commercial. It is genetic, man. It really is. Play sales, thank you for everything that you're doing. Yes. And and it's really so awesome to see so many people really trying to put their talents to work to do something mm-hmm. to help. And it makes a huge difference, especially now that we're under orders to wear masks. Yeah, right. Exactly. All right, Clay Sales, thank you so much for being on the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast. Okay, it was great to see Clay Sales, and I just want to put in a little word uh, for the women. Yeah. Um, all of the little women's organizations, the Women's Circle and the L Fund, and the, there's like seven or eight pretty cool organizations for lesbians in town. We've all come together to create um, a lesbian hotline, a women's hotline, um, and so the number for that will be 760-416-3545, and uh, I think we're going to do a little talking and listening. We're not going to do a bunch of advising, obviously. Our primary goal is to connect people with resources to solve the problems that they have, and again, in the way that we love to be able to talk to our own people, it is, we hope, will be uh, a soothing and a comfort to the women's community. It is, oh my gosh, I can't think of it. I think it's eight to eight. I'll have to look it up. Um, And uh, I will be manning the phones on Mondays uh, from 11 to two. And I think each of us are kind of pitching in to do a little shift. And so if women are out there and you need a little voice to just hear some soothing, some comfort and get some answers about how to connect and where to connect, please call us again, again at 760-416-3545. Right. And we'll put that on the website as well and then share Great. it on social media so that people have it on a daily basis. So, yeah, Shan, we can, we can actually put it on as a event and it'll show up on the website all the time. So we're happy to do that for you. Uh, and the website, in case you're um, just Lower. joining us, is thegaydesertguide.com. Brad Fur, our Gay Desert Guide, as always, it is awesome to see you. I've missed seeing your face. I know. I know. And Carr. Mwah. I have two more things, and you, well, maybe we just save them for another day. Oh no, do them! I I want to recommend that people log on and Google. I don't even know what it's called, but Deepak Chopra and Oprah have a 21 day free meditation series. Mm. And I know even me, meditation is not really my thing. Sitting still and shutting up, not a strong point for me. But it has been soothing. Oh, and good. 21 days, it's 100% free. The website has crashed almost every day because so many people are listening to it. It's super short. It's a little word from Oprah, a little word from Deepak Chopra, and then some quiet music and an end. And I, I don't sit still. Like, I chopped vegetables through one of them, and I did dishes through one of them because I'm not a great meditator. But the, word, the whole theme of it is hope. And it's 21 different ways to look at and get at hope. And so I can't be mad at that. I, and we'll do a little book club if we need to, because I really do recommend people just give it a try. Oprah and Deepak Chopra. Can you believe yeah. he yeah. has her name in his name, Chopra? Yeah. 
I know. It's awesome. Also, yeah. reach out to somebody. If you're strong and you're okay, maybe there's someone in your life who isn't. So reach out to everybody you can. And thank you for staying in touch and being with us here on the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast. For Shan Carr and Brad Fur. I'm John Thanks Taylor. Thanks for listening to the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast. Like us on Facebook at I Love Gay Palm Springs and on the homepage of GayDesertGuide.com.